Hello, this is Ben Trella, host of the Taste for Tenacity podcast. And if you want to become more intentional about exploring self-empowerment, your mental health, and personal fulfillment, then you should be listening to the Free Time Podcast with my friend, Carl Selma. Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. This year in particular, I think February through July was when that shift really happened to saying, okay, I need to do something else with my mm. life. You say ballsy and like, it's crazy to do, don't get me wrong, to, to pull the plug on a job that a lot of people see as making it or having a stable path is, is a weird thing to do. But to me, it's always, okay, what do I actually care about? And does this fulfill that? Now, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's up, everybody? It's Carl Sona, the host of the Free Time Podcast, and I'm very, very excited to bring you guys a special episode today. Today, I am joined by a new friend of mine, Ben Trella. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carl. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. To give you guys some context, Ben and I actually got connected at Travis Chapel's Build Your Network Live, first ever live event in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. And the reason I'm having Ben on today is because, you know, although I don't know him very well, if I had to put him into one word, Ben, if I had to put you into one word, it would be doer. And I say doer because you and I got some time to spend together and I got to hear a little bit about your story. And it, jumps out to me and it appears to me that you're an individual that just puts yourself in positions to succeed and to get the most out of the present time in life. And I just think that's so empowering, man. And if you don't mind, give us a little bit of context as to how you've been able to just take action, even if it's in a new area that you're not quite sure what the hell you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I do find myself in those often. (laughs) 
Yeah. So the greatest thing and, and one thing that I've found over time is that I love learning a lot. Uh, and learning takes different forms. So I've always been good at like textbook learning, being in school, but I was never particularly interested in it. You know, there were a few classes that I absolutely loved and dove headfirst into. My physics class was one of them. Theater was always one because that was one of my big hobbies. To me, being able to dive head first is sort of my second nature, and I'm very spoiled with that. So I'm not one to think, okay, what what do I need to do to do this perfectly? Yeah, It's okay, just start researching somewhere and the right answers will come along the way. Another important thing to note is you're never going to have all the information. And if you try and wait to get as much as possible, right? I think there's a a commander or or lieutenant or a big name in the military that says, if you wait to have 100% of the information, you are totally going to miss out on the opportunity. You should really be looking to make this decision and dive in head first when you have like 30 to 70% of the information that you need to make a decision. Now, what that looks like in different situations really varies. But the first thing is knowing that there's information you're not going to know and then being willing to be wrong. I think that's where a lot of times we can get caught up. Yeah. Yeah. I think very well said there, man. And so let's unpack that a little further. Like one of the things I remember you and I discussing when we first met was that you had gone to school at Wayne State, you know, graduated with high honors in accounting, went on to become an accountant and quickly discovered that that just wasn't your path or wasn't your true calling. So talk to me about how you were able to exercise this agency and pivot away from that, right? Like that must have been, I would imagine, kind of conflicting, spending X amount of years to get that job and then being faced with, oh my God, this is not for me. (laughs) And then actually being ballsy enough, bro, to take the leap and pivot away. Like, what was that like for you? So it's, it was really, really fun. So I, to, to wind back the clock a little further, I worked in accounting throughout my four years in school. I took a four-month, maybe like three-month hiatus to try and take a break after I had a couple really intense internships. But I worked in accounting throughout my college career. So I really got past that you know, entry-level experience and got to see more behind the curtain. So what I realized about accounting is that it's truly a support function and there's nothing wrong with that, right? You need to know how your business is performing and numbers do a great job of communicating that story. But it's communicating a story that someone else has written and that's not me. I like being in the action. And so there became this sort of dissociation between what I wanted to do and what I was doing and the impact I wanted to have. And so it kind of got under my skin a little bit and was bothering me. This has happened throughout like this year in particular, I think February through July was when that shift really happened to saying, okay, I need to do something else with my Mm. life. You say ballsy and like, it's crazy to do, don't get me wrong, to, to pull the plug on a job that a lot of people see as making it or having a stable path is is a weird thing to do. But to me, it's always, okay, what do I actually care about? And does this fulfill that? And so I don't think about the money. I don't think about all those, the other tangible, shiny things that come along with having one of those positions. To me, it was like, okay, this is not right. If I don't pull the plug right now, I'm never going to do it. And I've had that moment twice. The first was this summer when I got back from a backpacking trip. I was like, yo, this isn't for me. I need to put my money where my mouth is. I'm done. The other was during those two internships before I took those few months off, 
I realized I was totally burned out. And I went to my boss because at 4 p.m. on or no, it was like 6 p.m. on a Friday night. I realized, wow, I am exhausted. I was reviewing all of the work that I had done over the past year and a half. And I was doing the same thing now. And that is a terrifying moment when you're, you know, 19 years old and you have that history Mm -hmm. to where I said, okay, I need a break and I don't want to be doing this forever. If I don't rip this bandaid off, I'm never going to do it. And so you kind of have to call your own bluff sometimes Mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to do this, but you really have to show up for yourself in that way. Yeah. So I think that's a key point you just touched on there. It sounds like you had a good amount of practical experience with what a life as an accountant would be like because you had those internships during Mm -hmm. school, yet you still continued on with the program. So was there ever any like signs or indications throughout even like your internships that like you were already going down the wrong path? But to your point calling your bluff, right? You just sort of keep on bluffing yourself thinking, ah, like, let me just keep on going a little further. Like it can kind of be an iterative process. And, you know, honestly, for a lot of the listeners, like they already know that something's not right, but they haven't yet found a way to exercise that courage to do something about it. So like talk about the indication that something's not right to the lead up, right? To the eventual, it's time to make a shift because I think people can learn a lot from that. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I love learning and I love being challenged in new ways. One of the pillars of accounting is consistency, which means doing the same thing the same way year after year, unless you have a good reason to change that. Now, I don't know about you, but consistency being a pillar and me liking changing opportunities and challenges there's kind of a, a misalignment there, <laughs> a little one. Right, right. And so one of the the big things and the, the most like earth-shattering moment I had was, this was after I sort of realized, okay, I don't want to do accounting. And I was getting ready to pull that plug and I had already pulled it. One of my seniors or one of my bosses kind of pulled me aside and said, hey man, are you really sure you want to do this? Like look around at the people around you and look at what... The they're doing because you only get this experience when you come from the same places they came from. So look at what they're doing and look at their backgrounds. And they were all the same. And that's a really, really good insight because when he said, look at what all these people are doing and the experience that got them there, Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, oh, I don't want to be here. I don't want the same things they want. I don't want to be working in this type of a role. So why should I pursue the same path they did? And so it's sort of dissociating yourself with the immediate surroundings and saying, okay, what do I actually want? What am I actually doing? And where will this path take me? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was, it wasn't one big moment over those 18 months since I had, you know, the accounting internship that showed me the path I was heading down it wasn't one big moment. It was cumulatively. I started to kind of wake up, not even wake up, but just realize how much I differed from the experience I was getting. Yeah, that's well said. I think a lot of us all too often find ourselves in situations where we're starting to have those wake up moments, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the more that we have of those moments, sometimes we can become frustrated with ourselves because (laughs) it's like, it's like like that blinking indicator light on the dashboard. It's like, take me in the shop, but like, we're not, we're not actually making the time to like take the action, take it in the shop, or in this case, take the action to pivot away. So mm-hmm. I love that you're able to kind of break it down that way. And that leads me to my next point. You talk a lot about how everything in your life is 100% 
your decision. Is that what you say? Or 100% your responsibility, rather. I believe that's what you say. That's, that's how I say it. Exactly. I so love that concept. That, to me, communicates that you're an individual that has a good grasp on what it means to be a self-agent. And when I say self-agent, I mean you're an individual that can look at individuals that are along a path and be like, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Even though I've been told that's what I need to pursue, I'm going to go this way. Yeah, A lot of folks don't have that. Do you believe that self-agency is a talent or a skill that people can cultivate? Do you think that everybody has self-agency? Like, What's your opinion on that before we go a little deeper? I'm just curious. Yeah. So it's definitely a spectrum. I am very fortunate to have been born as I am. You know, I, I take a lot of ownership over everything I do, but at the same time, I've also cultivated that more and more to the point where if something only takes five minutes, but it's sitting in my emails as an unread message, I'm going to wait weeks to do it and totally miss the deadline. I've done that historically. And so it's, okay, here's what I do and here's where I screw up. So if something only takes five minutes, I need to handle it when that email comes in. I was on a, a webinar earlier today cooking dinner after having been working all day and getting an email from one of the guests on my show saying, hey, can you use this picture for your social media promotion post instead of the one you use? Use this headshot. Yeah, takes five minutes. I'm logging onto the call. Just hop in the call. I pull open my phone, redesign it, send it over to the guest so that she can publish it. Took maybe five minutes on the long end. Mm -hmm. So it's knowing yourself and how you respond in situations and being willing to take control over them. So it's, it's a skill you can cultivate. It's very scary to cultivate over time because when you take that 100% responsibility, you're 100% responsible when shit hits the fan. Yeah, no, absolutely. Speak to the freedom that comes along with taking 100% responsibility. And I say responsibility or I say freedom because I do think that while it's scary, as you just noted, that there's something to be said about knowing that at the end of the day, whatever may happen to you is ultimately... There's ultimately a choice that you can enact. There's a choice with respond with regards to how you respond, where the case may be, that ultimately rests on your shoulders. And in my mind, like that's freeing, knowing that there's still that window of choice. Talk yeah. about that a little bit, though. <laughs> Carl, are you reading my notes? Because this is great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you and I just on the same page You're here. So it's great. I want to unpack this. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two points I want to get to. The first yeah. is. I am of the opinion that only 5% of our lives happens in the world around us. Only 5% is the things that happen externally. They're externalities, right? Things you can't control. The other 95% is the running narrative that plays in your head where you analyze those events. You, you know, Those consistent thought patterns that we have, it all happens in our head. Um, one really cool meditation exercise is like closing your eyes and picturing like a ball of energy in your chest that just expands out as far as you can picture throughout the universe. And it is meant to help show how much space you have in your brain. We can create entire realities in our head. We do it. It's called dreaming. And so those storylines consistently happen. And that takes up about 95% of how we process the world around us. So the first thing is understanding that a lot of it is the stories that we tell ourselves and what we choose to focus on. This is something I struggle with too, but it's really understanding what's going on around us versus how we internalize it and what meaning we give it. So that's the first thing. 
The second piece is, and I think this comes from Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but don't quote me on that, where we have two circles, essentially. The, the first one and the smaller one is our zone of control. And the bigger one that accompanies it and a lot of other stuff outside of it is the zone of awareness. So zone of control or zone of influence, zone of awareness. Mm-hmm. Our zone of awareness is everything we choose to keep track of. For me, I choose to keep track of where things are at politically, where things are at economically, and just try and learn as much as I can. You know, I don't bother myself with a lot of the daily news. I don't bother myself with necessarily what's happening in pop culture, although it's definitely something you need to be aware of if you want to hold a conversation. But then there's that smaller zone of control. And it's what can you actually impact? Your actions and your mindset. Mm -hmm. And so that zone of control is really where we need to focus and start to shed things from that zone of awareness. So if I don't care about what I'm eating for dinner, I'm just going to stop, pick up food on the way home and leave it be, you know, let that decision be as simple as possible. But if it's something that I really care about and something that I want to be aware of and know more of, then I'm going to come home and while I'm on a webinar, I'm going to boil chicken and rice so that I can have a decent meal and also still be tuned into the webinar I had to listen to. So it's really understanding what all you can control and it's your actions and ultimately your responses. And so that leads me into the next portion, which is act and react versus act and respond. So act and react is this idea, uh, you know, the, uh, oh, what's the the test where they like hit your kneecap? Yeah. The, your reflex test. The reflex test. Yep. Yeah. So that's act and react where without even thinking something happens in your environment and you immediately react, no thought done. Mm-hmm. Act and respond is different. So act and respond, something happens, it hits your knee, the hammer hits your knee, you take a breath and think, okay, what happened? Why did it happen? What am I going to do? Sometimes it just mm-hmm. takes a breath. When someone asks me a question, a lot of times I will take a pause, get my thoughts together, and then continue talking because I want to make sure that it's in alignment with our conversation, the person I'm talking to, and our styles. So right. I'm a big fan of act and respond because you give yourself the space to say, okay, how important actually is this? And what's the best way for me to respond with both the stimulus and the environment that we're in? Oh, man. That's a beautiful analogy and this visual I feel like to keep in mind because I think a lot of people are walking around very wound up, right? And the second a stimulus comes into their ecosphere, they're so quick to just like react. Yeah. And it's typically not a beautiful outcome, right? (laughs) They walk away feeling shame or whatever the case may be versus what you're suggesting. So Mm -hmm. I want to now figure out how we can go a little bit more granular on this so we can, you know, create some practicals as far as how people can start to to practice this. I think a lot about, you know, the digital era that we live in. Mm -hmm. And you just did a beautiful job of talking about the zone of control and the zone of awareness. So social media, you know, people hop onto social media I would say that's probably the zone of awareness because they're seeing things they can directly control, right? Yet they're seeing these images and directly comparing them to their lives, things that they can control, but it's something that they can't control. How can somebody have a better or healthier relationship with things that are in their awareness that they can't directly control, but they're comparing against? Yeah. So it's understanding goals and understanding that person's context. 
Yeah. My favorite thing is that what's right for you and what's perfect for you and what is your best course of action is totally different than what's right for me, what's best for me, and what's my best course of action. Because we're two fundamentally different people that have fundamentally different experiences. Sure, there are some paths that we can replicate, but it all depends on where we're at. Mm -hmm. So number one is understanding what you actually want. And then number two is understanding what you're actually comparing it to. So I've been struggling or I was struggling a lot. I've kind of moved past it, thankfully, with, you know, how is my podcast performing? What are the numbers? I was checking daily, multiple times a day. It was borderline obsessive. But I was comparing myself to a podcast that was published by a newsletter that I follow that has over 1.5 million readers. That's not okay for me to do for myself, right? (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) fucked up (laughs) because this company in this newsletter had spent years, years building their readership. So when they switched over to a podcast, it's like, oh, we already trust them. We already love them. Let's shift to the next thing. We want to hear, consume them through audio content. Whereas me, I'm starting this from scratch, from the ground up. Of course, it's going to take a long time for me to see quote unquote numbers results. So instead, rather than focusing on the numbers, what I can't control I shifted what my definition of success for the podcast means. So now, Mm -hmm. instead of how many listeners did I have this week, it's, oh, how many cool people have I gotten to talk to on the podcast so far? Right now, I'm up to like 30. That is stupid cool when you think that I am a 22-year-old sitting in front of a microphone that is just saying like, hey, you want to come talk to me for five minutes or something? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's what I can control and it's what I'm choosing to focus on. So it's understanding the context and what that person's goal is versus your own and then shifting the metric that you use to measure. Yeah, dude. Well said. I think I saw something on social media since we're on the topic of social media that said, hey, don't compare your today, that being day one, to somebody else's day 365. You know what I mean? First of all, you're two separate beings capable of different things. But yeah, to to your example, if somebody's been podcasting longer, you know, and they've built up this huge following listenership, readership, it would make some fucking sense that <laughs> they're getting <laughs> a few yeah. more hits than your thing that you just started. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, but these are the things that I feel like we tend to lose sight of because we're so like caught up in mm-hmm. our own ego and our own, you know, really limited, narrow point of view. So yeah. again, it's one of the reasons why I'm wanting to have more and more of these conversations with regular people so that we can create more open communication. Yeah. Right? And let's get granular on that because yeah. I think the biggest gift we can give ourselves, and this is one I learned from meditation, which I love. I'm not great at practicing it all the time, but I love this one, is before you respond or before you even walk into your house, for me, my apartment, follow two of your breaths. Just literally breathe in, see how it feels, breathe out, feel yourself relax, and then do it a second time before you put your key in the door and open Mm. because it gives you a chance to reset the clock. That's all you got to do sometimes. Like Just take two deep breaths Follow it, see how it makes you feel, see how you're feeling and understand that you're moving into a new phase. Like be more with the present and not what just happened or whoever pissed you off at work or whatever shit assignment you've had to do or even sometimes whatever victory you've had that day. Yeah. 
I'm happy you bring that up, man. It sounds like you're into meditation. I've sort of been meditating myself for about four or five years now. And it's interesting. I've done exercises like that where I've tried to even become more aware of like when I go from a sitting to a standing position. That's a problem. That it's a new phase. And you get, again, to zone of control, choose how you step into that next phase. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about how important meditation is in your free time. I, I know you say that you don't do it all the time, but clearly there have been some huge takeaways. For those that don't know much about it or that want to explore it more, yeah. you know, give us a little bit of context as to how it's helped you. Yes. Yeah, so I do practice almost every day now, which is really great because one of the biggest payoffs of meditation that I've noticed so far is separating us from our thoughts, meaning our thoughts aren't always our true opinion or who we are. Sometimes it's someone's external voice that we've heard a few times and that we kind of knee jerk to as a reaction. But sometimes you just have to split yourself from your thoughts and think, okay, is that actually who I am as a person? Is that actually what I believe? Or is that someone else's truth that I've heard so many times that I'm now hearing it again in the right situation? So it's understanding that we're not necessarily our thoughts. You know, We're a product of our thoughts and our actions and what thoughts we choose to act on. But ultimately, there's a choice there. It's, okay, am I going to walk into this conversation with Carl and be a total dick? Or am I going to walk into this conversation with Carl and think, oh, Carl's a pretty neat guy. Let's see what we can come up with here. It's, okay, how am I going to react? Excuse me, how am I going to respond? Just to call back to that. How am I going to respond to whatever I'm thinking or feeling? Like there's a chance there. Sometimes we, we just have to create some separation between our thoughts and who we are as an individual, our thoughts and our identity. And that's where we can choose to recraft our own identity and who we are to ourselves. I love it, man. You know, this is called the Free Time Podcast for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons why I chose to call it the Free Time Podcast was because, you know, in my mind, free time is a great asset. It's an asset in which if used properly and intentionally, you can really cultivate better mental health. You can cultivate some of these self-empowerment skills that we're talking about. And you can gain some more clarity and understanding about what a life of fulfillment means for you, you know, without feeling like there's something that you're missing in order to take action on each of those three areas. Because at the end of the day, it's your free time and you're in control of it. Yeah. Talk to me about your relationship with time. I mean, you're so young, you're doing so much. It would be so easy for a guy your age or a gal your age to be like, oh, I have all the time in the world to figure that out. Yeah. Why is it that you're not of that school of thought? Because clearly you're not. <laughs> yeah. So one thing, and, and just to kind of call myself out a little, I've been struggling a lot more lately to stay committed to taking the extreme level of action I have in the past. Because I know, number one, I burned myself out a couple different times, and that's not something I want to do again. But my relationship with time is, it's always kind of changing because there's this concept of what's important now. It's what's the one most important thing that I can be doing with my time in this moment. If you're hanging out with family, put your fucking phone down and be with your family. <laughs> you know, It's what's the top priority now because there's always only one priority. But I studied finance and accounting, and I am big into personal finance. And the cool thing about when you're young is you have a lot more time to make mistakes, but you have a lot more time to let things compound. So do you know that guy who just went on like a huge winning streak on Jeopardy? He was like set the record. I can't remember his name for their life. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was at Cole Hatter's conference, Thrive. Yeah, he, yeah. he was at something like 70 or 80 something. Like uh, millions episodes. of dollars. He, yeah, went, yeah. he went off. But yeah. 
he's a gambler by trade, actually. Mm-hmm. That's on like horse races and all that kind of stuff. One of the reasons he took off so much is the fact that he went big early. So he had the most time to recover from those mistakes and from those bets throughout the game, but he also had the most time for those bets to add up and compound. This principle of compounding is huge in finance and personal finance because it's how you know one weekly expense compounded over 10 years at the average market return winds up compounding to 752 times its original value. So like there was one day that I saved $52,000 because I went and spent three hours digging through what I was spending my money on, realized I was spending at least 85 to 90 bucks a week on just garbage food. But that 80 to 90 bucks a week, I trimmed down to $15, which then meant that $70 savings over you know 10 years a weekly expense compounds to $52,000 at the end of that 10 years so this concept of compounding is huge because it can work for us or it can work against us i'm just young realize i have a ton of time i'm not afraid to look dumb or to fuck up royally now yeah. because i have the most time for the successful side to compound and for me to recover from those mistakes it's mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. You took it to a very, very intelligent level there. I think of it as, hey, listen, man, when is your overhead in life ever going to be this low? Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, look at your, look at yourself as a business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you feel like life's complicated and, you know, you maybe are not with a significant other, you don't have any children as most of the listeners, not all listeners, I mean, most of them would fall in that bucket. Yeah. Hey, now's the time to go out and just... Take some imperfect action yeah. and see how things shaping up, knowing that, again, to your point, things will compound. Just because it's taking you a year to launch that idea doesn't mean that to go from year two to three, it'll take you that long time. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way, you know? So the cool thing too is you can further minimize your overhead to live life as efficiently as possible. I should probably sell my car because it's costing me too much based on how little I use it. Mm-hmm. But this is the level I'm talking to. You ready? Yeah. I literally moved into that fucking closet to save $80 a month on rent. Like I moved into a closet. <laughs> I love that. It's insane. Love it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I'm not trying to impress anyone so I can live in a fucking closet to save money on yeah. rent so that I can lower my overhead and pour more money into the podcast and everything else I'm trying to do. Sometimes you got to go to extreme levels when you're young and realize nobody really gives a shit about your problems. Like a lot of it is in your head. Like there's the spotlight effect where you walk into a room and immediately you think everyone's going to notice you spilled coffee on your shirt. I did that walking into a job interview, crushed the interview, got the position. (laughs) Not to put a feather in my cap, (laughs) but it's the spotlight effect where we over index how much we think people are going to notice us. Now, if we want people to notice us, there's tricks and just ways we can carry ourselves. But even still, we over index how much other people are paying attention to us. Like people care about us. They want us to be well. But at the same time, they have their own problems to deal with. They're more focused on, okay, how am I looking today? How am I killing it today? To be overly worried about how you're looking or how you're doing today. You know, and it's it's not to be yeah. cruel. It's not to be harsh. Like we all have 95% of our lives going on behind the ears here. Yeah. 
dude. I love that, dude. You are definitely doing whatever it takes, man. You remember that guy at that conference when he gave us that story? He was like, hey, like whenever people ask me, what do you do? And I answer whatever yeah. it takes. Yes, that's the level we're <laughs> talking <you>. about here. <laughs> well, dude, and that leads me to my next and final theme of the evening. And that's this concept of fulfillment. Like, you know, you live in a closet because, <laughs> because you're going after your goals, your targets, your hopes, and your dreams. Like I'm willing to bet that at the end of the run, whatever that may be for you, and you look back, that's going to bring you way more joy and fulfillment and wholeness yeah. than maybe spending a little extra on rent trying to like show up for other people because yeah. of what they're going to think about you. Like that doesn't bring you the level of fulfillment that you're probably looking for. And so no. talk to us about fulfillment and what that means for you because you're clearly taking some drastic actions here. <laughs> to move towards that. So what is your definition of fulfillment, man? And what does that currently look like? Yeah. So this closet is going to be such a good story. I got to give my brother credit. He lived in it for like two and a half years before I moved in. So he wanted up, I wanted down, worked out well. (laughs) But to me, I'm of the opinion that anything valuable I build only has as much value as I choose to make work for others. So what I do has no value unless I do something valuable with it. Now, I know I threw around that term valuable a lot, but nothing I do has importance unless I do something important with it. So to me, it's important to build equality and to make people's voices feel heard and to overall just welcome people. Like when I die, I want to be remembered as someone who always had an open door and who always just gave like a kick-ass hug and felt welcome, right? So to me, I'm trying to spread a message of number one, positivity, number two, responsibility, as we've mentioned, but number three, like life is just fun and it's too, like we we get one shot at this, right? Why not do something that you actually care about? So to, to me, fulfillment is having as positive of an impact as I can on as many people as possible. Wow, I love that, man. And I like that it's a definition for you that seems to go beyond yourself. I find all too often, like even in my own you know, story where I thought that marking off all of the boxes of what it meant to be successful and fulfilled, like the career, the car, the home, that like I would have some sort of completeness. It just, it mm-hmm. wasn't the case. And now that I've sort of transcended that, I've realized that a lot of those things were like very like inwardly focused. Now my concept yeah. of fulfillment is... Yeah, partly to do with me like going out and working to make my life matter, but in doing so, working to help other people's lives matter, you know? And having that outward focus tends to really help me and that really lights me up. And it sounds like it does for you too. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting, Ben. Yeah. I love that, Ben. One thing I do want to unpack here, Carl, is the fact that happiness is a byproduct. Like Mm -hmm. we can't chase happiness directly. There's no happiness tree. There's no one thing we can just pay happiness for, do happiness for. Happiness is a byproduct. And it comes from solving problems that we actually love to solve because we all choose what problems we have. Again, it's that, what are we focused on? What are we aware of? And what can we control? Mm -hmm. That car that I bought this summer because I needed a new car, that's going to be the same car that breaks my heart when it breaks down that absolutely guts me when I have to make some ridiculous repair to it. I chose the problem I have in the future based on what I'm looking and choosing to do today. 
And so if we want to be happy, we just have to choose what problems we love to solve. And it also comes from our actions being in line with our values, meaning we should probably do what we actually care about. Now, you can just have shitty values, be living in accordance with them, and just feel like garbage because you're doing shitty things in the world. But if you have the right values and you can line your actions up with them, game changer. Wow. Wow. Love it, man. Way to break that down, brother. We really appreciate that. Before we pivot into the random round, and I could talk to you about this stuff all day, man. I'll probably, yeah. <laughs> I'll probably have to have you come back on and just do a segment on happiness because you said a lot of things there that I would love to go deeper on. But in the interest of time, before we pivot in the random round, let us know what you're, what you're currently working on and where we can you know, follow you and go in a little deeper with you, man. Yeah. So a couple different things I'm working on right now. The biggest is the podcast. So I host Taste for Tenacity. It's on the t-shirt for those of you watching the video. Love it. Uh, Host and produce Taste for Tenacity. It's a podcast focused on encouraging young professionals to work and live in line with their values. So that is the biggest thing. It's called Taste for Tenacity. You can go to bentrella.com slash links, and that has links to all the major podcast platforms, YouTube, anywhere you want to find me. I'm also on Instagram. I at ben.trella. Trella is spelled T as in Tom, R-E-L-A. It's actually alert spelled backwards. Little fun fact for you. <laughs> right? Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Super cool. <laughs> and, super uh, cool. Right? And I am also on Twitter. I think on Twitter, I'm just at bentrella. But all that's available at my website, bentrella.com. Love it, man. Why did you decide to name the show Taste for Tenacity? Just real briefly. I'm curious. Yeah. So I actually have the exact journal entry of me walking through potential names for the podcast from back in April. Uh But one of my friends, I asked to write a kind of testimonial for me to post on my website. One of the phrases he used was, Ben has a gentle tenacity where he encourages others to do their best while simultaneously putting them at ease and making them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And this idea of tenacity really stuck out. And it's also just a really fun word. Like it's, it cuts. It's a word that it cuts. It does. And so it's like, okay, tenacity, what does it mean? It means having fire, being willing to stick with your actions and stick with your values and stick up for yourself. And tenacity is something that I've kind of recognized I have. I'm also just batshit crazy in general, which is fun. <laughs> I'll own it. But this idea of tenacity just stuck out. And then I wanted to, to make something, something sound good and stick. And yeah. you know, I was like, oh man, I really have a taste for tenacity. Oh shit. It's sticky, man. That's sticky. Well, there you have it, folks. If you're a little batshit crazy and you want to learn to be a little more tenacious, please go, <laughs> please go and check out Ben's stuff. I mean, I tell you, the guy is an absolute mover and shaker. I think of him as a doer. I mean, I, I know you had interviewed Travis Trappel, and then next thing you know, you turned up at the conference, you know, hundreds of miles away from Detroit. Where's your home base? And again, you're an individual that's out there shooting the shot, man. And I just always love to see that. I love to be around that. It makes me want to continue to go after it. And so I encourage you guys it, to check out his stuff. All right, Ben, are you ready for the free time five? Let's buckle in. Five random quick questions just to have some fun with you, you know, break it down and just humanize you a little bit. So number one, what is your favorite thing to do in your free time, man, you know, for leisure activity? I really enjoy making music. That's one of the biggest things. So I did, like I said, I did theater for a long time. I did it for like eight years. Enjoy singing, playing piano. I picked up chords once in a while. My brother and I and our roommate will just have jam sessions. It's great. 
I like obscure instruments. So on my trip to San Francisco for a conference, the only thing I bought was a tambourine. So now I just have a fucking tambourine. It's great. (laughs) I love it, man. What's one choice that you made today? It could be a big choice or a small choice, but a choice that you consciously made that puts you a little closer towards unlocking your potential. Yeah. So this morning I was going to go directly into the office and get some work done before a meeting. I took on a new client today. Instead, I chose to go to a coffee shop, journal for a little bit. I you know, wrote some ideas for like potential podcasts or other shows that I could link up with. And then I, for whatever reason, I've really been into stand-up comedy. Oh, yeah? So I like found this really cool article that sort of broke down. I think her name was Allie Wong's comedy special but it was awesome it just like visual depictions of all the themes of stand-up special it was it's cool oh, that's really cool man i love that i love that yeah i love this question i ask every guest this one so if potential were like a physical destination on a map like you could like drive there fly there take a train there what would be more fun for you ben would it be the actual journey to that destination or would it be just arriving there in of itself So if you would have asked me this like three years ago, it probably would have been just being there. But over the past couple of years, I've really started to enjoy like the actual physical trip to places a lot more, just like goofing around. Uh, I did a, (laughs) forgot about this. I had a wedding like five hours north of me here in Michigan. Friday before we got tickets to a uh, basketball NBA finals and I was like, all right, I'm not going to go. My buddy pushed me to do it. I wound up going to the finals. I got on a bus down to Ohio for like three hours at 3 p.m. I then went to the game, took the bus back to Detroit, and then pulled an all-nighter to drive that five hours up north to make it in time for the wedding. So definitely the travel piece. It's a blast. I love it, man. And that's where all the fun little random events pop up that just you know give you that little dose of happiness that we're all looking for along the way. I love that, man. Oh, yeah. Um, What's like your favorite empowering quote or something that you'd like to leave the audience with today? One of my favorite quotes, and I use it all the time, from Herb Brooks, Miracle on Ice, uh, not halftime, but pre-third period (laughs) speech, second intermission speech. Great moments are born of great opportunities. And that's what we have here tonight. Oh, dude, look at it. (laughs) Full circle, man. I like that. (laughs) Right? Right? Pretty nice. (laughs) Awesome, Ben. Awesome, man. And then last but not least, I'm really big on visualization. I, I believe that all great things that we see today or partake in, you know, began as a small little idea. And you've spoken so eloquently on this tonight, how 95% of what's going on in our lives happens in between our ears, right? So as your witness today, as the audience being your witness, I'd like for you to tell us where you're going to be in the next six to nine months. Six to nine months. So leaving Detroit, moving to a new city, I accepted a fellowship that'll let me work with a startup for for a couple of years. That's the short-term goal, or that's the immediate concrete plan. Besides that, just building a podcast, being on more shows. I like talking with people and not even as, you know, I don't want to say serious, but like as deep as we did today, just like stupid shit, like why blueberries are definitely my favorite fruit (laughs) and like highly underrated. So stuff like that, I want to have more conversations and I want to make the podcast into a more conversational place where we have that deep, in-depth conversation and interview that we currently do. But then we can sort of 
spin off and just have like a random Q&A. That's an absolute blast. And then I do want to do more, more public speaking and stuff like that just because I, I was a performer for so long. That's such a big part of who I am. And I'm, I'm starting to kind of like picture together how much production I want to have and really just provide a good, intensive and inclusive experience. I love it, man. I have no doubt in my mind that you will find a way and a will to make those things come to life, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Ben. Thanks for coming on tonight. Carl, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com chat. That's Carl with a K. S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15 minute free Zoom call with me and I can't wait to see you there.